Hey guys, G-Man here. Thank you so much for downloading this week's episode of the Fun V Tailgate presented by Thunderblogsports.com. Maddie D and I were back at it, this time giving our live reactions to the Week 11 college football playoff poll. We give our analysis and different ways that the playoff itself can shake out, as well as different scenarios for teams in their respective conferences. Great conversation there, so you don't want to miss that. We move on to the NFL as Matty D was down at the Eagles this past weekend. He gives us the full recap of that experience, along with our cold hard locks, our weekly pick'em for those new to the program. We wrap things up on a more somber note as we remember Phillies pitcher Roy Halladay, who unfortunately passed away this past Tuesday. We also talk a little bit about the Sixers and the Flyers. So a a nice Philly ending for you, for those of you from the Philadelphia area. But uh, take a look at the timestamps if you want to skip around. But as always, please like and share the podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't yet. Leave us a nice little five-star review. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderblog Sports is the handles on Instagram and Facebook. Thunderblogsports.com, of course, is our website. Keep an eye out for the Fun V Tailgate blog that comes out every Friday that features my college football picks for the weekend. But enjoy this week's episode of the podcast. Thanks again. And we are live. Welcome to this week's episode of the Fun V Tailgate presented by Thunderblogsports.com. I, of course, am the G-Man. And with me on a Tuesday, for a change, is my man, Manny What's up, buddy? Oh, well, it's Tuesday, which means we get this in on a Big Mac Tuesday, I got to say. Tuesday night maction. Tuesday night maction, baby. A lot of gambling going on tonight that I bet you most people have no idea about, which is wild. And we get it in before the Thursday night game. So we actually get to make a pick during the Thursday night, uh, before the Thursday night game, which is, is, is nice. Oh, and by the way, there was a little football this past weekend that I think we're both hopping to talk about today. Yeah, a lot of different stuff going on. A wild weekend in college football. Hopefully you checked out the post I wrote because I just felt such a need to do it. Um, I was hopped up on the Eagles flying out high against the Denver Broncos. That's not supposed to be a mile-high joke, but it kind of came off that way. Then <laughs> um, I saw Thor. So really, Sunday was a roller coaster of, of me really riding the lightning. And that is a Thor joke, but what a great, great weekend of football. I guess the NFL was okay, but the Eagles, the Eagles. Oh, look, I don't want to jump all the way there, but I got to say it, that was, I was there. Yeah. I don't even have to jump there. I was there. I, I was so should nervous. We, should we table it? Yeah, let we let that marinate. Yes. Because what we, we I walked into the link on sat- Sunday coming off of like a jaw-dropping Saturday that was just absolutely amazing. So, so oh my God. So I was wondering this, and I didn't want to, you know, your brothers were there. I think they were both safely back in their respective corners, one at Penn State, the other up in New York. Shout out to Jack and Kevin. I Matt, do you think that you felt – a spiritual calling from Jim Harbaugh. 
He told you what he told you inside what was going to happen and said, Matt, call your brothers home. You need to see my doing. Is that what happened? Am I, is the tinfoil hat too tight or is that, did, I mean, how, how, what was it like with your two Penn State brothers there? It, the, the thought, it really, well, the, the, what was weird about it is because the game got delayed. So we were actually playing golf when the game was on. We get to the halfway house, 14 to 7, Penn State's up, um, and the game gets gets postponed, which I think probably helps Michigan State to an extent. I'm not, I'm not giving that, and that's not the reason they won. They, they beat them. But um, all of a sudden, I mean, we're watching the game, and, and they're like deflated, and, and they couldn't even – it was tough. It was honestly tough to watch them just completely squirm and then to watch that offense just come apart. Uh, Saquon Barkley basically ran himself out of a Heisman probably. I mean, it's going to take a monumental effort by him. In particular, if Baker Mayfield keeps winning, there's some other guys that are, that are looking decent. So all of a sudden he went from being the clear-cut favorite to watching Baker Mayfield throw for almost 600 yards in a game. and it was tough on them. And it's hard because you come off a, a heartbreaking loss to Ohio State. But you know what? Not an end-all, be-all loss. You're watching Ohio State get hammered out of nowhere by Iowa. And, and you're thinking, oh, my God, Penn State wins this game. They're right back. They're right back in everything. Now, they're not – they've got issues, but they're right back in it. And now they've played themselves out of it, along with Ohio State. So I don't want to just, just knock Penn State here, but – uh, Michigan State now rises all the way up to 12th in the college football ranking playoff rankings, and they've got a track. They've got some games, but they've got a track to kind of go ahead and uh, potentially push themselves into the conversation as a two-loss team. But I'll get to my my best two-loss team here shortly. But they they've definitely given themselves a chance. Although they got to go to play at Ohio State this weekend, so that chance could quickly diminish with a loss. Yeah, so what's crazy about all this is that we're not even through the thicket of of the wild weekends of fall, of college football ahead. We have, if you include, basically if you take the top 16 teams, it looks like an NCAA basketball weekend of, of sports that we have. We have number one versus number 10, number two versus number 16, number three versus number seven, number four versus a Florida State team that should be up there, number five versus number six. Number 12 versus number 13. Holy fuck, is this weekend going to be fun. I mean, this is the college football that we all love. I have said it for this entire season. I've said it last year. I love madness in college football. I mean, it's we're figuring out a lot of this is falling into place, but it's falling into place in unexpected ways. We've talked about for weeks now that it can still go a million ways, and it still can. But what's nice is that there it's much more clear cut, at least for the most part, assuming really all of this assumes Florida and or not Florida, Georgia and Alabama stay undefeated and it becomes a little easier to kind of put teams into their various pigeonholes. Right. Um, but kind of sticking on the topic of the Big Ten, Wisconsin's still undefeated. They have a record that's I believe the last time I checked was ranked 64th in strength of schedule. The reason why I say last time I checked is that it can change because of the records of your opponents, opponents and all that stuff. Um, 
they're I think, and I guess, and we can get into it a little, a little more, I guess, if, you know, in a scenario of a big 10 championship game, but I think they're really the only hope for the big 10 to even have a shot at a representative. Yeah. They're the, it's the only way that they're going to make it. Um, they have, they have to win out the only way the big 10, I, I think, un- unless a, a, an upset we don't see coming pops up here. And the reason I say that is as good yeah. as Michigan state has looked and their resume, there's another two loss team that would have the opportunity to jump them, and that would be Auburn, who plays Georgia, and then will go on to play Alabama. So they're the one team that could kind of could kind of jump the shark as a two-loss team. They're probably the only ones that have a legitimate chance. Um, and crazy think- enough, George, er, Auburn would play Georgia twice because Georgia yeah, right? basically has – they've clinched the East, so they're going. So really this game – it's either this game or the rematch if they play Auburn a second time or Alabama. That basically makes the SEC championship game tune-up for the playoff. This is – I don't want to say this is Georgia's only real test because they, they have an interesting stretch down if they have to go – they have to host Kentucky, who isn't a cakewalk that they've always been. Then they go to Georgia Tech, which – not necessarily the easiest game. It's a rivalry game in state. We saw right. this last year with Louisville, where they kind of overlooked Kentucky a little bit. Louisville had already been out of the playoff question, but it, it made them nine and three instead of ten and two going into bowl season. Um, you know, and it didn't cost uh, Lamar Jackson a, a, a Heisman or anything like that. But it it doesn't look good on the old resume, and it could. I mean. You could see Georgia in, in a scenario of they lose this weekend to Auburn, kind of a a downward spiral. Spiral, maybe a you know they plateau a little bit against against Kentucky, thinking that's the bottom, and then Georgia Tech makes it a little further. Uh, it could be nuts of how all of this goes down in a lot of different ways. A, in a scenario where either Georgia or Alabama loses, not two. And how all that shakes out. Alabama, of course, has their like basically FCS game in between this weekend against Mississippi State and the Iron Bowl against Auburn to finish out the season. So, assuming they're probably going to at most lose one game, but they're most likely you can really hard press the pencil on the uh, the old bracket. I think. Well, I, I think. Uh, so Georgia could afford – Georgia could lose to Auburn yeah. and make the yeah. playoff. If the, then they have to win the they SEC. They have to win out if they lose this weekend. They have to win out. Right, right. I think – so So I, 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 here's the problem. All those other two lost teams don't necessarily have the ability to create statement wins to jump – and I, the example I'm going to give is to jump Washington. Washington can okay. now – they got a couple games. They, they, go, they go to Stanford – and they go to um, they got to play Washington State and then play in the Pac-12 championship game, but they're one lost team. They win out. They're not in the playoff if they win out because there are better teams ahead of them. But they're not going to allow a two lost team to jump them unless it's Auburn winning out because the rest of the teams don't have the games on their schedule to do so. So yeah. I think that's why I, I you know uh, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, even USC to an extent. They have no chance to jump a one-loss team. Auburn would. Uh, I mean, Washington would. Yeah. Oh, Auburn would. So I, I think that makes it interesting. Um, but you know what? They had. I was watching ESPN tonight. Mark Rick came on for the, the Miami head coach. And, and 
he, they were like, well, what do you think about your ranking? You know, he goes, I don't care about my ranking because if we beat Notre Dame, we'll be in. That, that, that was his comment. Now, that may not be true, although I can't see an undefeated Miami not making the, the, the game over a over, – well, they'll have to beat Clemson, so it wouldn't matter. So, um, you know, Miami wins this weekend. They basically go into a, a game against Clemson. I think it's a playoff, play-in game for the champion – I mean, for the, uh, the thing, the, um, the playoffs. And then Oklahoma TCU, one of them about to drop two. So we're about to lose two teams this week. Um, I think if Notre Dame loses, they're out. I think if Miami loses, they probably don't have enough unless they win out. But even you know, I, I think it's going to be tough. So we're but uh, Oklahoma TCU, whoever loses is done. So all of a sudden, you're going to have you're down to what I would say is ten teams that have a chance, and that's just going to start to slowly whittle its way down. And you know, we'll see. I mean, we will. I think it's incredible though the the magic that could happen. And watch for a backdoor. The backdoor being like Washington to sneak in on that fourth spot if some other these teams lose, if they have some upsets in some conference championship games. I didn't think they had the chance, but now all of a sudden with those big losses by Penn State and Ohio State and Oklahoma State, um, Washington's played its way into having a backdoor cover kind of opportunity to jump on the playoffs. Mad at you with the gambling terms. I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to seeing that, and I, I don't think it's out of the question, especially by them putting them at number nine. You could have easily put them behind USC. I, I mean, that same conference. You could put them behind Michigan State. You could go Auburn nine, Michigan State 10, Washington 11. But kind of pricing them in there in, in case – because we talked about this a lot with the Big 12, that – this game this weekend between Oklahoma and TCU could very well be replayed in four weeks in the Big 12 championship game, and it could go the other way. I mean, these teams are that close that a committee of the college football peers, not necessarily our peers because you and I are just kind of down here and they're up here, but <laughs> it, you know they could easily – it could be a flip-flop. I mean, this could be a wash at the end of the season – of the of the two teams playing each other, and then the Big 12's out, and that's exactly what could happen. Say Miami wins against Notre Dame, but then slips up against a decent UVA team and a Pitt team that has been known to upset good teams. They beat Penn State last year. They beat Clemson last year. They didn't let Penn State cover this year. I mean, they've done. They've you know, they haven't been as impactful. They haven't won any big games but they could i mean you know one might say they're due so if they beat miami i I think you're right i think a one loss miami team even if they go and beat clemson in the acc championship i don't know if they're in necessarily right you almost have to look you know but then it it becomes an interesting question of well washington would presumably have one loss notre dame would have two but same you know say usc comes out and wins and beats this good washington team of of then where where do these extra games come into play? USC would have played a 13th because they have a conference championship game versus Notre Dame only playing 12. There's still the fun debate that can still be had because of the fact, A, right now Georgia and Alabama are clogging up two spots for one conference, and B, that these we're starting to get some of the mixing and matching of the conferences. But it's fun that we have – to use your word, the potential for a backdoor cover, really of top 13 teams. Any of these teams could find some way in. 
number 13. They beat Michigan State. They go out. They go to the Big Ten championship game 10-2. and two. They beat this Wisconsin team, assuming Wisconsin gets through and gets in, that's undefeated and may or may not be a top five ranking. I mean, you could make the argument for them. Uh, part of that depends on how well Michigan does down the stretch. Part of it depends on how well Penn State yeah. does down the stretch, which I think they have Rutgers and Maryland as their final two games, so, or as at least two of their three games. Um, I think Michigan State does too. So both of them, you're assuming Michigan State either goes ten yeah. and two or nine and three. Penn State, I I need to see who their other game is uh, on top of that, but you assume they also go at the very worst nine and three. Um, but right. I, the reason I, I, why I'm bringing all this up is kind of we, we use the the dark night as the the example last week. You need to make sure that the people that you beat. Don't fall too much. You need to hold them with you to make your resume boosted up well. And that's what a win this weekend for Ohio State would do for Clemson, who I thought might have the potential to flip-flop with Clemson. I thought you this week you you had the opportunity to uh, – this week was probably a wash. They were both close games. But certainly this weekend, if Oklahoma wins and, and Ohio State wins, I would – Honestly, say put Oklahoma as number four next week and Clemson number five. Yeah, I can see that. I, I think I, I would tell you this. Uh, I, you got to start looking at quality of losses now. Exactly. And this gets difficult. And so when I look at Ohio State's quality of losses, their two losses have been blowouts. Um, and so I true. think – That's very true. When I, when I look at that, I go, well, you know, all of a sudden they're losing by a lot and they lost they – lost, and Oklahoma's number five, but they lost a, by a lot. To Oklahoma. Then you look at Auburn. Auburn lost fourteen to six at Clemson. They lost twenty-seven to twenty-three late at LSU. So their losses have been good losses. So when you're going to start stacking teams up against each other, okay. So teams have identical records. How bad did they lose? Where did they lose? So you know, losing at Clemson is not a. It's hard to win at Clemson. So you, you, they get credit for that. Um, which is why I think the hard's the hard part. I mean, and I'm. Yeah, I, I don't see a path for Ohio State unless every team in front of them loses every uh, of their rest of their games. Washington lost once. They lost at Arizona State, who's not a powerhouse by any means, 13-7. to Looks like a bad showing on paper. They really haven't been tested um, since. And their, their strength of schedule wasn't particularly strong, so they're going to play Stanford and Utah. Well, it was also two weeks ago, so. No, right. No, no. I, so I think you'll see other teams start to – slide themselves back up because they're lost the quality of losses and that's important and I love the fact that the that the the uh, committee is looking at strength of schedule first which is why you've seen some oh, of it's the, great I, it's fantastic it's nothing I don't think it's I'm not anything against Washington Wisconsin or Miami but the teams above them have scheduled hard and have played really really good teams and that to me that's everything um, I, I think that's so important and that's why Auburn will have a shot if they win out. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't think it is. I think they lose this week, but they could win out, and so that's impressive to me. Well, yeah, if they're twelve and if they're twelve and one, and they've beaten both the teams that are currently ranked number one and number two, they beat the team that's ranked number one twice. You're absolutely putting them in, right? Um, it would be interesting though if Auburn say beats Georgia this week. Georgia now has one loss. And a flip scenario, um, 
they beat Auburn or they lose to Georgia. They beat Alabama. So they get Alabama's spot against Georgia, come back and beat Georgia. They're, they're 11 and two. Georgia would be 12 and one. They have to be Ohio state last year and Auburn gets left out. I, I would feel like, I don't know. Cause it's a better conference championship than Penn state had. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of what some way that the committee figures out, like we can back our way out of a controversy of having two teams in like really two undefeated teams in the, the extra game. It's hard. Then you do have a controversy of not putting them in, but if you have a way to get yourself out of it, where a team that may or may not belong, you could, I mean, I don't know. Am I sounding too crazy there? Am I, well, the hat on too tight. I think the key is the two big undefeated teams that you're staring at that could quote unquote miss out are Miami and Wisconsin, right? Yeah. So Miami's going to make its own bed because they're going to have to play Clemson and Notre Dame if they want to go. Yeah, so they, they, they take out two teams. They're going to be in, right? I think Wisconsin's the harder case because they go there. This is it. They're about to play good teams finally after. When I tell you they played nobody out of conference, their most difficult ever conference game was at BYU, who was not good this year. Um, nope. And they had they've had they won over Northwestern, which is a good win. They're ranked, but they're ranked twenty fifth. It's not like they're a powerhouse. They barely beat Purdue. Now they're going to play Iowa and they're going to play Michigan next two weeks, both at home, which is great for them. They're finally going to be tested. They went out. They go to the game. Now, do they play Michigan State, I think, right? Uh, let me look. Uh, I think they out. did. Well, they're going to play Michigan State, Ohio State, or Penn State, I believe. That's the way it will probably shape out. Regardless, that's going to be a quality win. Uh, now, do they bump Clemson or Notre Dame if they run the table? Uh, I don't think so. Right. So, to me, they end up at fifth. Um, I think they would jump in Oklahoma or a TCU if they're undefeated, but I, I would be hard for me to see them jump a Clemson or a Notre Dame. Now, uh, Notre Dame's high up there. I don't know how they – I mean, maybe they don't have a conference championship game and that hurts them. I, but I, I, I don't think there's a way that's possible. So I think Wisconsin needs Clemson, Notre Dame, or one of the big two to, hit, to stumble to have sure. an opportunity. Now, if – Alabama or Georgia blows the other one out in the SEC title game and Wisconsin's undefeated. Uh, that would be the one thing I don't think anyone's talking about to me. If West, if, if one of those two teams comes in and just absolutely hammers the other one, I think the other one needs to drop out uh, yeah. out, out of the top four. And then that's how you get Wisconsin. So that's a way to get around the controversy. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. So, um, yeah, I mean, wow. Yeah, it's that's how it could all play out. It's almost it's an even bigger wrinkle of the the first college football playoff where you had TCU and Baylor who both got left out at the very end. And I believe TCU was fourth, Ohio State was fifth. Then Ohio State comes in, blows out Wisconsin of all teams in the Big Ten championship game and makes their way in and they talk about the the, you know, the lack of the conference championship and that's why they're not being being included. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see if if there's another change in how we all approach the season coming up. Um, 
and how conferences want to want to approach it. Kind of right. to answer your the the Big Ten and, and the question there. Michigan State and Ohio State are tied at five and one. They play each other this weekend. The way for Penn State to get in would be for Ohio State to lose this week, go to five and two. Um, no, 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 no. Ohio no, they State need Michigan State to lose. State, right, and then they need Ohio State to lose to Michigan. Then Penn State would jump in, assuming they don't slip up. Well, no, because Ohio State would still have it there because they beat Penn State. They oh, need Ohio State to right. lose twice. No, 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 no. You're, so if Ohio State beats Michigan State, and then they need Michigan, both teams to lose twice down, wait, the, no, down wait, the stretch. Wait, no, no, no. What happens if Michigan beats Ohio State? They, if they win, if Michigan wins out, and and Ohio State beats Michigan State, wouldn't Michigan get in over Ohio State? So, well, so we'll we'll get to Michigan in a second. Okay. Penn State lost to both Ohio State and Michigan State, so right. Michi- they can't have the same record to have a better record than both schools to get to get there they need whoever loses this game to lose one more time and whoever wins this game to lose out okay and be and be six both teams need to be six and three penn state needs to be seven and two within the big 10 michigan because they lost to all three schools ahead of them uh, needs possible for no. them to win they play ohio state if every if every they team need Ohio down, St- they they win. <laughs> I right? think they need Ohio State to win this week, because then Michigan State would be six and two. Penn State needs to lose, because then that just at some point that makes them with a worse record. They could go two and one, and they have a worse record than a three and zero oh Michigan down the stretch. And then Ohio State would need to win. They're six and one. They're six and one. Then lose twice, including to Michigan. So they just need to lose next week and then lose to Michigan and Michigan State to lose lose one more time on top of that to be right to be in. Right. That's, wait, wait, that's wait, an, no, an incredible the, what, long shot. What's the tiebreaker? The tiebreaker is head to head. They all play each other once. So, so uh, I guess you're right. Yeah, I'm trying because the thing. So we so we would jump. So if Michigan State loses, they still are ranked ahead of us, right? Right. If yeah. Ohio State loses to us, then we would jump ahead of them. Correct. Yeah, so, so a lot well, of this is because there's three weeks left. We're getting a little. We're getting. We're kind of tying ourselves up here. There's three weeks left. Michigan needs to have a better record. No ties with Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State. They need to beat all of them. No, no, no. Well, uh, right, because if they beat Ohio, State, record. They're top. No, well, no. If they beat Ohio State. They're tied and they jump Ohio State, right? That's true. That's actually right. yes, so you're absolutely right. They're, they're State true. And Penn State to lose out, but they need Ohio State. They actually need Ohio State to win this week to beat to beat Michigan yeah. State. If Ohio State loses to Michigan State, I think Michigan State or Michigan's out, and then Michigan State really has a great inside track to right. the uh, right, right, the, and, to the division. You know what though? Michigan State and Penn State, they both play Rutgers. You know, Michigan State plays at at, at Maryland. I'm, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> They're terrible. Um, Nebraska's a garbage. I mean, God, if you're the Big Ten, you need the West, other than Wisconsin and Northwestern, to start pulling its weight. I know Iowa's had a couple big wins, but they've also had some strange losses. Um, yeah. Also, can we talk quickly about how maybe that maybe we should have seen this Penn State loss because they just 
just beat um, Iowa by the fingertips. Iowa by the fingertips. Right now, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great win regardless because Iowa looks good. I'm just saying, I think that's kind of interesting. So, and I could, I'm going to tell you something. I could not be pulling harder for Iowa to beat Wisconsin this week. I don't know why. Just about Wisconsin. I'm not feeling the vibe. I want them out. I want them out. And I want to see, yeah, I don't know. And I know I'm a, I guess I'm a Big Ten guy. I'm really just a Michigan guy. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see how that how that all turns out. I mean, it would kind of stink to see the Big Ten left out because that was a conference you always kind of thought would be in. You always thought it would be the SEC, the Big Ten, probably the ACC. Because the Big 12 had always kind of been that enigma. The Pac-12 has always been kind of just, you know, uh, cannibalizing themselves. Same with the Big 12. Um, but it would be, it'd be weird to see no Big 10 in the playoff. Yeah, it would. But nuts. you know what? You know what? This is what makes college – this is what makes the playoffs so great. The, the best team should be in. And I don't think yeah. the Big 10 has a top four or five team this year. I, I don't. I, I haven't seen enough inconsistent play at quarterback across the board. Um, yeah, I, although I did did like the tweet somebody said out. I got to find it. Um, oh wow, I'm watching Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. How can a Big Ten team keep up keep up with these high powered offenses? And someone went, they actually know how to play defense. That was the response to the tweet. Um, <laughs> you know, I got to say, I know how good those two offenses are, but yeah. Oklahoma's defense is not going to win them a national championship. Um, I don't care how much no. swagger make Baker Mayfield has and how much talent that offense has. And I know how good Oklahoma State is. They might Oklahoma State might be might have the best offense in college football. I but, think that. I yeah. I do I will say this. I think TCU has the defense that could at That's least true. get them into a championship game. I don't know about win it cuz mm-hmm. it's tough. Yeah. Well, because it, t- it's t- Apples and oranges, assuming they play Alabama or Georgia, it's right. It's very much apples and oranges comparing the two teams. Yeah. Just, aside well, from they, good defense, the offenses are so different. They strangely gave up thirty six to SMU, and then they gave a thirty one to Oklahoma State. Other than that, they've had they've been a pretty stingent defense. This is it for. I mean, they win. Here's the thing: they win here. We don't see. We're not really talking much about TCU because this Oklahoma freight train or, or wagon <laughs> sooner. Is is high powered right now because of the great, great high scoring win. But TCU beats Oklahoma, and they're gonna have a they're gonna have an argument that they should already be in the top four. Um, they're an interesting yeah, team. I and, think we're forgetting about. Yeah, I'm looking down their schedule. I mean, this might be more more of a quote unquote layup than Michigan State having to play Rutgers and Maryland uh, the last two weeks of the season. They play at Texas Tech and then versus Baylor. The interesting thing with them, while those two games are, you know, quote unquote layups, you know, they you assume they get a, they get the W there, they finish eleven and one, and they go to the Big Twelve Championship. The interesting thing, and this actually becomes more interesting of an argument than the Big Ten, is who gets second place in the Big Twelve. Because Oklahoma and TCU, you would assume the winner takes the takes the one seed. Who gets the two seed? I guess it we would have be Oklahoma. Maybe. Right? 
Well, let's look at Oklahoma's no, schedule. Oklahoma, I ran through this in the, well, the Oklahoma blog. State, Oklahoma State has two losses in conference. Uh, but Oklahoma in a loss here. So Oklahoma State, West Virginia, who had a great win against Iowa State mm-hmm. and Iowa State, are all 4-2. and two. Oklahoma plays TCU this week. They play at Kansas, which should be a win. Then they play West Virginia. That could become one of the most important games. Winner goes to the championship, right? Yeah, the winner goes to the conference championship. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Well, we said that. Well, hold up. No. No. If they lose, uh, Oklahoma loses Oklahoma here. loses and they lose to West Virginia, West Virginia still isn't in the championship game. Because Oklahoma, they would State, not be? Oklahoma State only has two losses. That's assuming they went out. Who's their uh, Who's got, their schedule? They're going to win. Out. Oh, they did play. They already did play West Virginia. Yeah, You're right. Oklahoma State. Wait, wait, wait. But that becomes weird, though, right? So West Virginia. No, because Oklahoma would have three losses in the conference. It would be TCU, Oklahoma State, yeah. and Oklahoma State's out. I, there's no way to me they can find their way back in. So they they basically well, would eliminate Oklahoma loses TCU. Twice. And Oklahoma State wins out, they'd have a better record and would be in. Right? No, no. So, but um, I'm saying it doesn't matter for Oklahoma State. Their playoff chances are done. There's no way I can see them. Oh yeah, for the college football playoff. Yeah, oh, I'm just right, talking yeah. about the Big Twelve. They could upset TC. I'm just talking about spoilers here, not not no, the no. right. And I'm, so I'm saying they could really the playoffs, piss off. Yeah. They could really piss off their commission, the the conference commissioner, by beating TCU in the title game and knocking TCU oh. out of the college they football. Might as well, right. Right. Well, that's the fun thing. Like, and that's the that's the fun thing that we have of all these different kind of you need to you need to be perfect. You're walking on glass. Of if you're one of the teams that's that's out, you're playing spoiler at this point. You're right. now. I mean, that's the fun. That's the fun part. You can spoil the season. You can be the villain. You can cause. You can start the fissures of a long-standing rivalry, even if you already have it in bedlam. I mean ruin somebody's chances to get in. I mean, oh, that I love I, that kind of I stuff. I will tell you. I will tell you. I want to I know we're going to we're going to transition here shortly. Yep. And I want to give a shout out to number 18, University of Central Florida UCF, 8 and 0 on the season. They're True. at this point pretty much a shoe in to be representing the Power 5 in the um the New Year's Six Bowls. New Year's Six Bowls, right? Although the team that only other non non big time team ranked is Memphis, whose one loss is to UCF. So they're kind of chomping at the bit to jump into a bowl as well. Got to give a shout out to those guys who normally we'd be talking about how they're kind of the Cinderella story. I know we've really never gotten deep into this discussion, but outside of Notre Dame, we haven't seen an ability for a non big time school to make the college football playoff. But I think in this case. When the title game was still around, the discussion always really revolved around Boise State. And yep. it was consistent years of, of play from Chris Peterson's team. They would start to beat a big-time opponent to start the year, then they'd run the table that got them into the discussion to be in the title game. So any chance in the future, five years down the road, would, would involve a UCF or a Memphis to have consistent cons- success and high rankings to allow them to have the pedigree to jump into those kind of bowls. Although we can see now with the, with the, with the committee, they are factoring in strength of schedule beyond just historical pedigree. That may make it tougher. There may be no avenue for a non-Big um, 
big time program to have a shot anymore. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing with it, and it, it was something that people got worried with with Notre Dame when they had to start tying in the ACC into their football schedule. Um, is is the conference just going to completely hurt you? I think if you do something like BC, but, but I almost called them BCS. Boise State used to do uh, schedule a big time opponent. Of course, assuming your team's pretty good, uh, beat them and then just continue on. You're basically doing what what Western Michigan had to do last year and they slipped up. Um, they may not have still made the playoff, but you need to build up a good, you know, a good program, constantly recruiting. Um, kind of the thing that Boise state always had going for it is that there's no one else really around in Boise. Uh, so you can kind of corner those, you know, the Yellowstone States, if you will, uh, and, and their football talent and, and figure out how to get them there. But this has always been sort of the, the argument, and and they play in the AC, the AAC, the the sort of the Big East within college football, and it was kind of the, this thought of how how would the Big East become big in football because they were always a basketball conference, um, and it, it's tough to figure out how that can be because they've kind of got this middle market, and calling it even a middle market's funny because ironically it's the smallest of the three tiers of the FBS. You have the Power Five, the AAC, and then the other five conferences that are all kind of just shit. Uh, but we're, we're going off into a rant that can be explored much deeper in uh, you know more college football theories. Let's move over to the NFL. Let's talk about our birds. We tabled your adventures. Matt, let's set, let's set the mood. Sunday morning, you and I are texting about Zach Ertz not playing. We are. I'm really upset. Well, I might. And you calmed me down. Well, you calmed me down. I tried. My big, my big. What their defense is is to me the best in the NFL, top to bottom. I've watched enough primetime games of the defense to know what they bring to the table. To see us on a hot streak, playing super well. I mean. It seemed like the perfect storm of, of a very low-scoring game where a couple bad mistakes would, would, would change the outcome. So we're on our way to the tailgate. I'm on my way to the tailgate, and I, there's just this air about, we're really, really good. This is a really important game, though, because we're going into a bye. We come out to play the Cowboys. Um, so it was tempered, tempered excitement, and I think most people thought it was going to be one of those games where the whole game, it's just a struggle and a struggle and a struggle, and one or two plays decides it. Sky thought that. Right. So then Zach Ertz goes down, and I and I thought the one area that we could really beat this defense on was center field, uh, middle of the field passing to to a tight end like Ertz to a Nelson Aguilar, because you're going to hit as long as Doggy P runs it enough, you bring the linebackers up a step. The safeties, while they're good at run support, aren't the best in, in pass coverage. I, I was like, oh, that that's it. That's got to be the only way we can we can. And then you lose your biggest across the middle of the field target in Zach Ertz, but. If there's one place we definitely have depth in outside of the defensive line, it is that tight end position. And we saw Brent Selleck push the rust off. Brent Selleck jumped in a time machine. He did. But more importantly, you saw Trey Burton, who has great pass-catching ability, out on the field doing just enough. Um, but let's be honest. It didn't matter about what I thought about what you thought about the defense because what we know 
is that our coaching staff and Carson came together and put together a game plan that was the play calling to me was more of the superstar than anything else. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. The the touchdown pass, there were two really great ones. The one was the the basically was a read option where Ertz had the opportunity I mean uh, Wentz could either hand it off to Ajayi, okay? Ajayi, or he could throw it and he got Akeem Talib, who is a top ten, top five corner in the league, to bite on the play. Usually stage. top five, yep. I'd say. Yep, he took a step forward in, in what was essentially a, 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 some kind of a, a, a zone system where he was covering underneath. The safety was over the top, so he takes a step forward, and Carson nails Alshon Jeffrey for that touchdown. But which was an what's amazing crazy play about call. that pass. What's crazy about it is that it looked like he was taking a basketball shot. He hands it off. And it's almost as if he, as he's handing it, jump shoots it to Alshon. It wasn't like he handed it here, took his, you know, got back set and threw. Right. He hands it in all one motion, goes like, you know, just throw, chucks it, almost like he's flipping it to second base. I mean, this guy is incredible when the athleticism comes into play. Mm -hmm. I mean, the stuff that we've seen him do, whether it's the run against the Redskins, this kind of stuff where – just the knowledge, the smart plays that he's able to put together. I mean, I'm excited. It's just it's a ton of fun to watch him, and they surprise you any which way. You hit the nail right on the head of Trey Burton played out of his mind, and I hopefully that can stay together. I mean, imagine putting together a three tight end set where the ball's going to go, kind of like those old Patriot two tight end sets with Rob Gronkowski and, and Aaron Hernandez. I mean – just put Brent Selleck as a blocking tight end, a, a sixth lineman, and use the other two playing together. That's a completely different package than really anything we've seen this year. And, oh, by the way, they have four, count them, four running backs, because you even even mentioned a one Mr. Corey Clement, who had a monster game. And Wendell Smallwood looked good. He didn't really have the big stat line like the rest of them did. Like Garrett Blunt's still there. I mean, I'm excited. It's a lot, a lot yeah, of the players. No. The offensive line looks really good too. I have to give them a lot of props because we talked. We're talking about their defense. Well, there was a couple plays where it could go one way or the other, uh, but yeah, they, I mean, the, uh, the, I will say I think Small would probably save an injury. Is probably going to be inactive now because uh, Varner is the returner. I think they love Clement and what he brings. So I think you're going to see Blunt still get the start. And then him and Ajayi split carries, and then Clement come in for situational plays like the passing plays where he scored touchdowns, which is important. Um, so, I mean, you definitely have a deep running back court. Receiving court seems deep. I want Mac Hollins on the field more. Only so much I can beg, though, because they're, they're just playing out of their mind. Um, and you're starting to see the chemistry between Alshon and Wentz, which has to scare every defensive coordinator in the league because. That's been the one area where they haven't been hitting, and all of a sudden we watched Wentz and Alshon hook up a bunch of times, which I thought was really, really important. Um, I, my concern has got to be the health of the offensive line. Though. They play, they're playing great, but they are, especially at the tackle position, they're an injury away from having a huge problem um, because their backup right tackle when Lane went out late in the game, it didn't really matter, was Isaac Semualu, who I, I, has struggled at guard, and now you're going to put him in his tackle. I don't know what their solution is going to be. So they need to hope that those two tackles stay healthy. They can kind of manage everybody else if there's an injury. 
but it's critical that Lane Johnson and Vitae are healthy um, for the rest of the season. Well, I, I can't pick on any other part of the game. Uh, the defense played. I know it was Brock Osweiler, but the defense played absolutely lights out, and um, they're they're just good. That de- and their defensive backs are now deep. Their pass rush is deep. I mean, the pass rush is coming from all over the place. They are an absolute treat to watch, and it really sets up a Sunday night showdown. I believe it's Sunday night, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is as well. At at the Cowgirls, Cowboys, excuse me. um, They would almost – I'm not saying you can't clinch the division this early. They would get close to clinching the division if they can beat the Cowboys. Um, This is like almost their mini Super Bowl in, in two weeks, they get another. They get an extra week to prepare. They got to come ready because I hate to say it, the the Cowboys have talent. They find ways to win, so they just need to come to play though. And you know what? Maybe Zeke plays. Maybe he doesn't. I hope he does. I hope he does so we can stick it to him and let him know. Be nice. Yeah, but, and, and they beat the they beat the Chiefs, which neither of us had last week. Yeah, but you're right. They found their way to win there. They made the Chiefs look. I I can't say a record because this year in the NFL has been so weird in terms of who's beaten whom, Uh, but the Chiefs did not look like one of the better teams in the AFC in that game. Well, they they came out hot, and uh, you know, and now they're and they they're not they're not a mirage because they're still really good team. They're probably honestly they're probably going to win that division because two teams we thought were going to be really good, the Broncos and the Raiders, have not been very good at all, although. The Chargers have kind of caught back up, so watch out, watch out for the Chargers. So, yeah, I, I just think um, I, they're not as elite as we thought they were going to – we, they looked. Their running game's tailed off. Their defense isn't as elite as it's been in past years. Alex Smith has actually probably been the one part of this team that's been a little consist, more consistent than I thought he would in terms of throwing the ball down the field. But they've got some issues they've got to work out. I think teams started to pick up their game plan. Um, and then just it's Andy needs to adjust. I mean, they'll be fine, but Andy needs to adjust some stuff down there. No, I agree. Yeah. But let's look ahead to week 10. So to wrap up week nine, we had the one differing game. That was the Eagles. You had the Eagles covering seven and a half points, which oh, did they ever seven, five and one. We pushed the Sunday night game, which was three points for Oakland. I go six, six and one. Uh, probably our best week between the two of us. Uh, actually, I think I, – n- never mind. I think we had one where we both went like nine and something. Uh, but you win again. You're up four, one, and three. We skipped one week because neither of us got our picks in in time. So through nine weeks, four, four one, and three for Matty D. Uh, I need to step up my game. We move on to week 10, the cold hard locks, our preview and picks for those new to the program. We look at Thursday, and like you said at the top of the show, Matt, we are not picking in the middle of the second quarter here. In fact, we're two days ahead of time. Look at us. <laughs> it Kind of a dud Thursday here. Yeah. Especially oh. with all the injuries yeah. for the Cardinals. I, the Seahawks are favored by six and a half. Um, they came off of kind of a disappointing loss to the Redskins, who played a little spoiler there late. Yep. Um, kind of got a tough read on this game because it's a divisional game. Seahawks are on the road. 
but the Cardinals don't have their starting quarterback, don't have their starting running back. I think the Seahawks cover that six-point six line. But there are some unresolved issues in Seattle that keep coming up from time to time. They just don't seem to play consistently dominant football, particularly on defense, which I think has, yeah, to, it, concern, has to concern. Yeah, it's not closeout like we've seen of just almost just stepping on their throat type football. Um, yeah, I, I like the pick. Uh, I hate Thursday night football, though, and I think six points is a lot to give up. I'm going to take right. Arizona with the points. Really, if it was on a Sunday, I would probably go the other way, but Thursday night football scares the shit out of me. Also, if we want to fly out there, it's only 18 bucks on StubHub to get into the stadium. Wow. So, Basically giving it away. <laughs> we can look into it. But we move to Sunday. First game I got is the Saints visiting the Buffalo Bills in one of the more intriguing games. The yeah. Saints have actually been great on the road. Coming into Buffalo where the Bills have been nearly unbeatable. The Bills Mafia, they must be roughing up somebody as they're coming into the stadium. Matt, what do you got for this one? New Orleans is favored by two and a half. I'm fully bought into the to the Saint train. I think Alvin Kamara might be – I don't know why he's not getting a little rookie of the year talk or offensive rookie of the year talk, especially with Watson down. He looks, he looks dangerous. Uh, that offense is starting to hum. They've got a great balance. The defense has come around, and I don't like the way the Bills are trending right now. I've got some concerns. I've got some concerns with them. Their defense has been really turnover dependent, uh, which they didn't get this past Thursday, and I don't know if they're going to get it again against Drew Brees. So I'm taking the Saints on the road to cover. Yeah, I love that. As, I love that as well. I think the running game overpowers that defense, and I think it's enough that Drew Brees just starts to pick them apart. I think the Saints win by maybe even double-digit points. Um, you have to also think when the line is 46 and a half, uh, that's got to be a sign of a downward-trending defense. But 1 o'clock as well, we got at Soldier Field, the Bears a five-and-a-half-point favorite hosting the Green Bay Packers. Wow. Is this opening up at kind of just a, a – overreaction to, to last night against the, the Lions, Matt? I think so, but I think people just watched. Green Bay is is not a sum of its parts. It is one part that runs the entire thing, and he's not there. And the offense is built around him. The defense has had struggles. They're in trouble, the Packers, but I actually, I actually have them covering if that line holds at five. I don't know if they're going to win but I have them covering in a divisional game close. I think they figure out a way against a mediocre Bears defense to stay close in the hunt. And I, you know, I, I think Hundley is still, still trying to figure out if he's an NFL quarterback in my mind. Did not like the way he played, but I, I think there could be close. All right, all right. Well, I'm going to take the Bears here. I, I like, like that run game enough to open some stuff up for them. Bears. Uh, Mitch – Mitchell Trubisky, Jesus Christ, that name is tough to say, is uh, he's trending in a, in a right way. The Bears are coming off a bye, so we'll see what they did to, to kind of tweak around the offense for him. Jordan Howard and, and Tariq Cohen have been a, a great pair. Uh, Jordan Howard really just eating up a lot of carries, which is great in that way for him. Uh, we've just seen that really from him since he was at Indiana. But we move on. Also at the one o'clock slate, a uh, probably one of the the best lines out there, and, and one of my 
favorite games. I can't believe this over-under isn't higher than the, the Bills-Saints game at 43-and-a-half. <laughs> the Lions, 12-and-a-half point favorites against the Cleveland Browns. Matt, break this one down for me. This is my cold, hard lock of the week. I have, I have felt, and it's not, actually, it's, some of it is in regards to, to um, what's his name, uh, to the Browns. But I really like the way this Lions team is playing right now. I watched them last night. The offense has more balance than it ever has. But more so, Matthew Stafford has some really underrated weapons. Marvin Jones, um, Golden Tate, uh, both Abdullah and uh, Reddick out of the backfield. The Reddick, excuse me, out of the backfield. Plus, I've really liked the way their defense is playing downhill and attacking. Uh, and they've got, I would say, the most underrated quarterback, corner cornerback in the league, and Darius Slay, who might be approaching the best in football status. That's how good I think he is when you watch him play. I have him smoking the Browns in this one as they try to claw their way back in to the playoff hunt and also try to keep pace with the Minnesota Vikings, a team we're going to get to in, in, in shortly here. So I have them covering. I absolutely agree with you. I have them covering. I think Stafford has a field day with them. Moving on, also at 1 o'clock, down in Nashville, where I will be next week, the Tennessee Titans hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. Surprisingly, this one is only 4.5 points, which is a weird line to try to open up with. But, Matt, I really like Tennessee here. I think the Bengals have not played very well as of recently, really all year, and they're not very good on the road. That Titans defense, I feel like, is uh, a lot better than they – have played uh, and I think they do very, very well here as that Cincinnati Bengals offense really, really struggles to click. And that defense really does not look like they did a couple years ago. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, this is hard. I don't know. There's something about Tennessee though. I can't, I have the Bengals losing, but covering. Okay, Bengals with the points. There's, well, I, I, AJ Green not suspended. I thought he should have been. Um, I know he was remorseful. I, I give him credit there. But I have the Bengals covering. I something about this Bengals team that just the Tennessee doesn't seem like the team that's good enough to put their th- to to just really crush an opponent like they should. They're still young, still developing, uh, and I don't love their home field advantage. So I'm I'm taking the Bengals to cover in okay. a tight one in a, a right, unexpectedly yeah. tight game. Okay. All right. I like that. 40 and a half is the over under on points. Uh, the next one I got is another one that, that could be a bloodbath. It could be close. Depends on how the away team shows up. The Steelers <laughs> come in as a 10 point road favorite. And this one could get away from us quickly, but it also could be close depending on how they play. But I like Pittsburgh here. I like them to come out off their bye and go on one of their uh, Pittsburghian marches that we've seen them go on the last couple of years. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think they smoked the Colts who have nothing. Uh, we talk about this every week, but yeah, right. Pittsburgh, uh, people are talking about Pittsburgh uh, for good and bad reasons. Their defense though is underratedly good, I think. And they're still growing. They're, they're very young yeah. to, to me. They're the biggest contender uh, to the Patriots. I, I think everyone expects this in the AFC if Big Ben can continue to kind of show up. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, it'll be fun, though. It'll be a uh, 
it'll be fun to see how they do. This is this is a kind of a tune-up game for me for them. I think I know you can't take any team seriously, but I have them easily covering against this Colts team. Okay, all right, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, next one I got in the one o'clock slate is the Jets and the Bucks. Jets coming off their Thursday night football win as a two and a half point road favorite. Uh, Tampa Bay really missing a lot of pieces here, missing Mike Evans, missing Jameis Winston. Uh, I think two and a half is too low, Matt. I really do. I like yeah. uh, the Jets to come I can't in. I'm picking the Jets after the. I'm, I, <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm very impressed with the Jets kind of battling through. Their defense is still pretty good, but this Buccaneers team, the the problem starts with the quarterback. If, if you watched the fight that got Mike Evans suspended, Jameis Winston, who's injured and on the bench, comes onto the field to poke, I mean literally poke, the Saints player. Like, what? get off. You are the starting quarterback. You're the franchise quarterback. You're supposed to be at least. Stop. Stop. Get on the sideline. You're injured. You should be ashamed of your performance this year as it is. Now you're injured. I'm, injuries are not your fault, but still. Uh, I this this Buc- Buccaneers team has some problems. I could see a house cleaning this year if this season continues to trend. The coaches out. Um, yeah, I, I've not been impressed with what I thought was going to be a breakout year for Winston. I completely agree. What do you got here for the pick? Yeah, I'm taking Jets to easily cover. I'm with you. I think that number's way too low. Boom. All right. Moving on. A line that I think is a little low. We have the Minnesota Vikings coming off their bye week, coming down to Washington to face the Redskins, coming off a big win out in Seattle. Minnesota comes in as a one-and-a-half-point road favorite. Matt, break down this line for me, or at least this game. Well, Vikings another team that no one's talking about because they've really run – like they've won on the strength of their defense – because they've had a lot of injuries at quarterback, although Teddy Bridgewater might be this the backup this coming week. Great story there for him. Great this, news. Right. Great news. This defense is legitimate. I mean, they are big time. Um, they're favored on the road against a decent Redskins team. And what's not to like, and yet all I can think about is somehow the Vikings blowing this game and losing it. And so I'm taking – my division rivals, the Redskins here, to cover and win this game in a shocking upset two weeks in a row. Wow. So I'm shocked for two reasons. A, I thought this line was incredibly low. B, this is a breakthrough for you. Traditionally, for those new to the Thunderblog, Matt never picks divisional rivals in their games. I normally don't. He always picks against them. If you ever added up our picks – you, I think in the last two years, have picked the Eagles to go 16-0, 16-0, and all their other opponents, and aside from NFC East games, uh, to lose all of their games. So, good for you. Well, give Matt a round of applause. <laughs> Congratulations. I think this one rounds out the 1 o'clock games. It's the Chargers and the Jaguars. And a game between two teams that are two games apart in record, but an interesting story for both in terms of their seasons. It could easily be completely different for both, but Jacksonville comes in as a home favorite four points. Matt, tell me about this one. Well, Jaguars don't necessarily need this game 
as bad as the Chargers do. Although I think once again we've talked we talked earlier about how we've seen two other teams in that division falter to some extent. Um, I think that I think the main the main test for the Jags is the Titans. I like the upstart Chargers to win this one and get to four and five, get close to the Chiefs, pull ahead of the Raiders. I'm going Chargers all the way to upset the Jags on the road. And I think the Jaguars are going to have a quarterback issue in this game. This is the kind of – their defense is so good, I, I know, but I just don't think their offense has enough, even with Fournette back and very healthy and very rested. I'm taking the Chargers to cover, but let me be clear, to cover. I like the Jags to win it at home. It's a, yeah, I knew it was a four-point line, right? That's what you said? Yeah, it's a four – so you like the you like the – you like the Jaguars to win but not cover the four-point spread. Yes, correct, correct. I'm taking the Chargers to cover. Yeah, I think okay. it's going to be close. Taking the, Chargers, could, taking the Chargers to the points. Yeah, I'm, take with the cover. I'm close to telling you I think the Chargers are going to win outright. I just feel like this is the kind of game Jacksonville is going to lose because I haven't seen them being good and be good in years. Um, you know, So we'll see. But I, I, I'm not a Blake Bortles guy either. and I, oof. So. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean – you see Fournette playing well, or he should play well. Um, that defense playing well. But the Chargers have so many different degrees on which they can beat you. And I think you see that really come to life here. You, a lot of us thought, you know, you, me, and Allen, and, and other people as well have thought that they, they should be a lot better than they are at, f- at three and five. Uh, I agree with you. I'm actually going to take the Chargers outright, but I'm going to take the points and hopefully a road win. Um, so we both have the same pick there in terms of the against the spread. Different winner, but all that matters is against the spread. So we both have the Chargers plus four. Uh, that does it for the 1 o'clock slate to wrap it up. We have two teams differing on the 1 o'clock slate. We're differing on Thursday Night Football. Three differing picks against the spread. We move to the 4 o'clock slate with the Texans visiting the Rams who are coming off of a shellacking of the New York Giants. Their number one pick finally looking like the guy they paid so much for. They come in as 12 and a half point or 12 point flat favorites over the Houston Texans and they're of a team. I love this spread. I think it's going to be bigger. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's go L.A. Rams in the Coliseum, and hopefully they get a little bit bigger of a crowd with uh, how well they've been playing. Are they the Eagles' biggest threat in the NFC? Because they sure looked like it last week. Yeah, I would think maybe. Right, Todd Gurley mm-hmm. Gurley's something that the Eagles haven't faced yet. And they might, they probably are with Ezekiel Elliott. So we'll see. You know, it could be comparable there. Right. Right. Uh, oh, that's a, that's a great point. They really haven't seen. But they haven't faced a great. They haven't faced a great running back yet. Mm-hmm. Um, right. They faced some good quarterbacks, certainly, but not no, really I, the I best. Couldn't agree more with that statement. I, I think wideouts. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you say that, but they've got – so now all of a sudden when you look at the Rams, they've got Sammy Watkins, injury yep. history, but explosive. No, no, I was saying they hadn't yet the Eagles. Oh, no, oh, oh, Rams, okay. Yes. No, I was going to say the Rams wideouts. And then so all of a sudden Tavon Austin goes from being the focal point to this not focal point out of yeah, the slot. Really plus uh, a Cup, Connor Cook, uh, Connor Cook, right? Connor Cook, C-U-P-P, K-U-P-P, yep. K-U-P-P. 
and then Robert Woods. You got four pretty decent receivers, if you ask me. Right? Yeah, yeah. I would say you're you're actually a good point. I just didn't realize it, but the Eagles really haven't played a stud wide receiver with a decent quarterback because they played against Thomas and Sanders last week, and they did play against. Um, if you think Calvin Benjamin is that good, although I'm not. Yeah, it's actually surprising when I look at their schedule. They really haven't. Now, we've also made a lot of guys look pedestrian, but none of the teams we've played have had superstars at the skill position. Um, like we're going to see in the next few weeks here when we start to play these these high-level teams. Yep. So what do you got for this game? 12.5 points to the Rams. I'm going to take the Rams here. Over. Over. Good Over. Yeah, the yeah, easy pick. Easy. All right, we move to the Cowboys, the Eagles' next opponent. They first have to travel down to the new Mercedes-Benz Mercedes-Benz Stadium at the Superdome, the stadium in Atlanta. The Falcons come in as a three-point favorite. Matt, what do you got for this one? How the Falcons could go from whooping on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at home to being four and four completely, completely baffles me for a team that we thought was going to be the, the cream of the crop in the NFC. I just can't see this team with Dan Quinn as the coach losing again um and i i think they beat the cowboys here they cover that three point that three point line Zico, whether elliot plays or not i think they win at home um they just find a way after a, a bad drop by julio and a couple bad losses to kind of get back on track to still try to compete with the saints in that division so i have them covering okay i have the opposite i think that the Cowboys, like you said earlier, find their ways to win. That Falcons defense has not been what we saw of from last year. I like this one to absolutely be a shootout. It's going to go over the 50-and-a-half point over-under line. Uh, I do think the Cowboys pull it out, so I'm going to take them with the three points. Um, but it's going to be a fun game, I think. it's the uh, Actually, there's two 425 games on Fox. I would assume this is the Joe Buck game. Uh, the game of America's game of the week, is, as Fox likes to call it. Uh, but it's going to be a fun game. I think definitely uh, one of the more exciting ones to watch this weekend. You break my heart. Just be a homer. Be a homer and take the Falcons. You know well, you want them to win. It makes I want them to win, but it makes it more fun when the Cowboys are only down, what, two games? They'd be 6-3 and three to the Eagles, 8-1. Uh, and one. I don't want any fun. No, it's more fun because then NBC has to try to be a little more objective, and they think, oh, they're right there. Oh, they're only two games back. They win it here. They're right back in it. And the Eagles <laughs> crush them. Right. And they well, crush them. So that's I, what I'm rooting for. That's my homerness. All right, all right, all right. Build the hopes up, and we we demolish them ourselves. We don't need Atlanta to do our dirty work. That's my point. <laughs> I did think it's funny that we're going to go from that 425 primetime game to um, – Right. I mean, it's, just, it's like amusing to watch the next game. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. You get to watch poor C.J. Bethard be like like a tackling dummy out there just getting plastered. But finally, the 49ers, though. I've got them as the, a one-point underdog at home to the Giants. They have a chance, though. You're telling me I'm smelling an opportunity for the 49ers to maybe win a game. So, for me, I'm actually torn on this game. 
Uh, the 49ers certainly have a great shot at this. It looks like it from how the Giants came out last week. Uh, Sterling Shepard in his first game back looked okay. Didn't didn't have the best game. Eli didn't have the best game. Uh, I think they could they could be poised for a great game against this really not so hot 49er defense. Um, I do have the San Francisco 49ers taking this. I think Carlos Hyde explodes for a huge game against these Giants. Um, and, that, and that's what I'm going to go with. The, the Giants lose again. The 49ers finally get a win. And maybe we finally see the, uh, the parody chart, com- the parody chart complete. You know, you know, when they finally get that going in the NFL, you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe we finally see it. I don't know if it works out that way. Cause there's, a couple – oh, no, the Browns still haven't won a game. So, never mind. It does not. Um, well, I, okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna take the 49ers, but I got to tell you, part of me deep down inside in my, like, diabolical demon mind would really like to see the 49ers and Browns both end winless because that would mean that one of those two teams would get the first-round pick and a team with no wins would get the second overall pick. They'd, they'd flip a coin, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was going to ask, how do they do that? They flip. Right. They literally flip a coin? In this case, they, have, they, they literally would flip a coin. Now, a little different with the trade for Garoppolo because now the Browns, who may be looking for the franchise quarterback, the 49ers don't appear to be at this time. Yeah. So, although if I'm the 49ers, I get the first overall pick, and I say, okay, shop's open. Who wants the quarterback? And I trade it, you know, I don't know who, if it's the Broncos, um, uh, if it's the Jaguars, you know, if it's the, maybe the Redskins are kind of a wild card, the Jets. They trade the pick away and get a huge haul for Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch to play with. But I think it's a fascinating potential as we zoom towards the, the desire. Although I've had Giants fans tell me this week that they're actually kind of hoping the Giants lose because that way they can get the second overall pick in the draft um, so they can get Saquon Barkley. So that's what they keep telling me. And to what I said, it doesn't matter about a running back. You need an offensive line to block for him. But it's true. You, know, you can't teach Giants fans. They're, they're all ignorant and New York-y. It's true. That so is... We both have them winning and cover. both have the 49ers winning, right? Correct. We both have the 49ers winning, and then it becomes yeah. the Browns. Uh, the Browns to basically – lose, win. I don't know how you put it that way. Uh, but we move on. Wrapping up the the afternoon slate, just one deferring pick, the Cowboys and the Falcons. That is five deferring picks on the week. We move to Sunday Night Football. The Patriots going to Denver, a place they never really play that well in, and against the Broncos Tom, as a seven and a half point favorite. Tom Brady hasn't has never beaten Brock Osweiler. That's true. true. That's and they have true. I'm not just I'm not <laughs> saying that they literally have played before. I think twice and Brock <laughs> or at least once and Brock beat him. So just saying it's a trap game. Denver's defense, you know, they're going to be pissed off after giving up fifty to uh, to, to 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 our boys to the Wentz the Wentz wagon. So, hold on. Before we make our pick, can I can I just point out because I forgot to do this when we're talking about the Eagles. I texted you about this watching ESPN on Sunday morning. They called it Wenzelmania. It's Wenzelvania. ESPN. We're using you for our lines. Let's at least get the name right. Yeah, they're not very smart though. So, my rant's over. Seven and a half points. I'm actually going to take Denver with the points. I think it's too close. 
or it's too much rather. It's going to be a close game. Um, I, you know, the, the Patriots have looked good on the road and you can say all you want that they're, they're, they're coming off their bye. They're looking a lot better. I think Brady possibly has a good game. Um, but I, I think that defense is too pissed off. I'm sorry to Greg and the rest of the Patriots nation uh, that the Eagles pissed him off that much, but, but Denver's good at home. We'll see them squeak this one out. Um, maybe not even squeak it out. They probably lose by like a field goal, but seven and a half points is a lot. Yeah, no, I, I, so, so you have them not covering, right? Yeah. Sorry. I'm taking Denver with the seven and a half points. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't like what Regardless I if they win or lose, I'm taking Denver with the points. Okay. No, I got, I've got the Patriots covering. I didn't like what I saw from Denver. I saw a defeated team. Uh, it's very rare that Von Miller just stares blankly into the sky. I think the Patriots are licking their chops to get in there. And just if you are Denver, you are praying Paxton Lynch is healthy because at least you could blame his ineffective play on being a young, basically a young rookie. While you cannot blame Simeon or Osweiler's play on being rookies, they're just not good. So okay. um, I've got the Patriots hammering Denver here uh, on the road, and I like them to win. All right. Sounds good to me. Moving on to the final game of the week, the Monday night football special. We got the Miami Dolphins traveling to Carolina as a nine-point dog. Carolina, a nine-point home favorite. Cam is this Newton, a weird line to you? It is a little weird to me. Because I know the Dolphins a little are weird four, to me. And four and they've been kind of up and down, but they're not a – yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, go on. Sorry, I just was like looking at, it, like staring at, it like it's a, like it's not true. Yeah, it's a weird line. Cam Newton's been okay this year. He he actually brought back the Cam Newton ground pound last week. Um, so we'll 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 see how that goes. Is Miami defense not the best? Um, quick note: they still have as players to watch for the rushing game is Jai for Miami. So uh, update your shit, ESPN. <laughs> The Carolina defense, though, looked great last week. They looked, it's true. You know, they looked pretty good. And I think, I mean, granted, we're seeing a Dolphins team that's been up and down and, and could be trending one way or the other. I think we're in for a low-scoring affair. And I think they, the Panthers Dolphins here, and they, uh, I think they cover this. I think they win by 10 points. You think the Panthers win by 10. So you're going to take them all the way. I'm all take right. them all the way. Take them to the bank. I like it. I like it, but I don't like it enough to, to, to agree with you. I have the Dolphins getting right. close enough within that. I the Pan, This Panthers team has looked good and bad, but I think the Dolphins are still – Adam Gase is quite the coach to keep that team together. I've been very impressed with him. I think the defense – the Dolphins' defense has enough – nasty playmakers in like an Adam that can sue just, just to cause some issues for cam. Um, and I like the dolphins to squeeze this one and, and take this victory. When you say cause issues, I'm so, I'm do sorry, you mean, I, 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 you walk back real quick. I said it. Uh, okay. I, I like the Or do you mean stepping on people issues? Well, either one he will tell you something against this Panthers team. You can get under their skin. You can get under Cam's skin a little bit. We saw it when he played the Eagles. We hit him a little bit. We got in his face a little bit. He gets flustered. If we, if the Dolphins can have some early pass rush success, which I think they can, 
get to Cam. I think you can see this game be tighter. Now, I misspoke and said I have the, the Dolphins winning right, right before that comment. I don't. I have them covering, not winning. So I, I think they get yeah, close, so, but they no cigar. Yeah, so you're the taking them with the points. With the points. I yeah, think it's so, a big line. Big but line. you think the Panthers still win. I would agree with that. I mean, if I had to pick a game to stay the fuck away from. It's this one. This would be it. Yeah. Yep. Um, weird. And I wouldn't be surprised if this moves by the time Monday night comes around. Um, but that'll, you know, we'll, you know, we're locking in our picks right now on a Tuesday, yeah. trying something a little different for those wondering why, uh, I'm actually going away for the next couple of days and the flyers are home on Thursday night by the time I do get back. So, uh, can't do our usual Thursday night, but we hope you enjoy it. We hope you, uh, can, you know, do a freezing cold takes on us if we're dead wrong by the time all this comes out. But, uh, but Matt, what else is, uh, what, what else is going on in, uh, in the sports world. We haven't really gotten your thoughts on granted because oh. we've been stalking football. Yeah. But tell me a little bit. Well, I, I did want to say this about this coming week in the NFL. To me, it's not as big of a move or shaker week as we've seen. Um, okay. A lot of teams that are, you know, when no one loses this week and is just completely out of it, those teams have already been decided. No. So I think it's, it's more of just a, let's not get injured week. A couple teams can stake their claims on high seeds. Um, I do have to say a very tough day in Philadelphia as well as Toronto and the um, Gulf Coast of Florida as we lost a incredible pitcher in person in uh, Roy Holiday who was one of the best I ever watched in my short life on this earth throw a baseball. Um, it was really hard news when it came. It, came, it was very – just. I mean, obviously it was a plane crash out of the blue. Um, so very difficult, I think, to hear that news. Yeah, incredibly tough. I agree with you 100%. One of the best I ever saw play um, between him and, and what I saw in person of Cliff Lee, probably a lot of the best in-person pitching I saw. But as a career as a, career as a whole, Roy Halladay was always able to be a guy that, that kind of brought back pitching a complete game and pitching shutouts. He did it a ton in Toronto and he had so many criminal years or years that were criminally underrated. I should say up as a blue Jay that he never really got to see. Cause it was right in the thick of the Yankees, Red Sox mid two thousands rivalry. And he'd done his thing. The blue Jays didn't make the playoffs forever. Um, if you actually go back and, and look at the old Toronto Blue Jays pictures that are put up, it's their old logo with that weird sideways facing or the, the old, the, I guess, mid bird. Cause they've gone back to their old logo, but yeah, it was one of those things that even when he came to Philadelphia, because Cliff Lee had just left for the first time, um, you know, everybody was like, who the hell is this guy replacing Cliff Lee? And I mean, he came out immediately and won a Cy Young Award. He pitched not one but two no-hitters, one of which was a perfect game in 2010. So a lot of great memories, a lot of fun to watch. And from what I had heard, just a a pretty overall awesome guy. A little bit crazy, but all pitchers are. But Yeah. And one, of the last, one of the last – we've seen like a very ch- uh, a, a change in, in the way pitchers pitch now. One of the last, along with Cliff Lee – Inning eating great pitchers who who was more than just a, a thrower. He understood how to throw balls, where to place them. You know, you'd watch games where he doesn't wouldn't get a ton of strikeouts. He would just get 
ground out after ground out after ground out after ground out and go deep in ball games. He had over 200 wins, which I know there's, you know, that's incredible stat. We may never see a pitcher get there again. That's how, and that, that's a good change for a lot of reasons and a bad change because watching him, Cliff, Roy and Cole go deep night after night after night into the seventh, eighth inning quality starts. Watching him was more than just those great games that we saw, those no hitters, those one hitters, those perfect games. It was every single time he stepped on the mound, you knew he was going to give you seven to eight innings of four to five hit baseball and probably win you. Every single outing just seemed to be the same way, and he worked his butt off to do it. And um, just it's it's really crappy news. It's terrible news, and kind of not to put more salt on the wounds. Just what you just described, he ended his career as a pitcher and also as a Philly, just kind of that crappy 2013 quarter season even. And I remember somebody saying to me, oh, and it was one thing that always peeved me is people who pronounce it holiday, like Matt holiday uh, with an O instead of an A. Somebody was like, oh, holiday's done. And, and I kind of just peppered one back to him with that. But hearing that always kind of, just irked me and it was right and it was tough because you you saw superman kind of come down and it was that wasn't the change in the guard because we've seen what Corey kluber and chris sale have been able to do with innings eating but they're different because they're strikeout kings and they go after that and that's why they don't necessarily go as many innings consistently um holiday was able to do and and really the kind of that he was that last just grind out through a lineup and he wasn't he what there was never really a time that you were afraid when the lineup would flip over if they figured out something that he wasn't throwing one way or the other mm-hmm. no um, I, I it's just um dad news. Family. Dad news. A very very young family as well so that definitely stinks um yeah and sure. so, yeah but you know what positive news sixers um looking better right our boys are to even it out after a rocky start to the season. I've liked what I've seen. Um, I know a lot of people were mad about Embiid not playing tonight. Welcome to the NBA. Even the best teams rest their best players. And you know what? It's 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 you know like the first month of the season. It's okay, people. Embiid cannot play one game. It's not going to be the end of the world. So I get smart. Um, and they're actually up right now at half. By the way, forty six forty four over the Utah Jazz. So uh, looks like uh, Dario Sarge with 12 points. Not a bad night for him getting the starting lineup. So we'll see what happens. Well, what's awesome about the season so far is that Dario is the only one in, in double figures right now, but you have a ton that are knocking right on the door. Um, you've seen guys like Rashawn Holmes come back and he's starting tonight. You have Timothy Lawaru Cabarro, TLC as uh He's he's right there with with five points. One of my favorite guys, T.J. McConnell, who criminally underrated. Guy is just a fucking scrapper. Needs to needs to be on the. If you could change on the fly like you can in hockey, do that with T.J. Anytime that it's within ten points. If you want to put him on the floor for offense, great. If you don't, have him come on right away. Of course, this is the on-the-fly changing or call timeout and, and actually put them in, in real basketball rules. 
But, man, watching him play live and, and really watching any of these guys play live because I haven't gotten to Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Robert Covington. Team is a ton of fun to watch. They have been for now a year and a year and change, and they're above 500 for the first time in forever. Um, they're a ton of fun. I mean, really, anybody in Philadelphia, they're all young. They're all a ton of fun to watch yeah, well, let, in let, any sport. I, mean. I know we're going to wrap this up soon, but I got to ask. Does Roe Covington deserve the extension that he's going to get money from somebody? Would you Would you give him the bucks? I absolutely would. Good, good man. Smart, smart. Give yep. yep. Defense three three ball. Yeah, one of the best D and threes right yep. now. Got to keep easily think, one of the best. I think you got to lock him up. I'm with you. All right, nice, nice. Well, that between that and the fact that that the whole Nerland, they're not Nerlands, the whole uh, Jaleel Okafor debacle is actually coming away with teams saying we want to trade for him. Great. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, before we wrap it up, quick, uh, as as I was about to ask, and then we got a more, much more somber note, the Flyers, quick note on them, and, and then we'll wrap it up. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to know. I thought you were going to know first, and then I was going to know. Um, they, they've kind of come back to earth a little bit. Yep. Their defense is a little banged up, but this is a young team. So let's just keep getting get the young people, getting the young guys, especially that young blue line on the ice. I'd like to see us understand when it's important to be very creative and when it's important to put pucks in the net offensively. I've, I've been to games where they're, they're overly creative and they need to just crash the net, get, get deflections, get rebounds. So I'm hoping to see that soon. But, I, I mean, I love, I love the trend, though. I, I think the early season success probably puts some expectations on us that I don't hate but I don't love. So we'd like to see us just kind of level it out. Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. The the over cuteness of their offense at times can get a little bit cumbersome. Uh, just put the puck on the net. Um, part of that I think has to do with youth and seeing some teams be successful with it and and think that we can try to do that. Um, the injuries have been tough. I do love Giroux at the wing. I think that's been great and a great payoff for Hackstall. Um, but yeah, keep getting the, the younger guys up. Just let them develop, get them more and more ice time, uh, and, and it'll click. I mean, if it, we know it's not going to be a cup run this year, so it's really there shouldn't be a ton of pressure. It looks like they're having fun, um, but we'll see. I mean, they're in a weird, weird run right now. Playing, well, how many team? How many Western Conference teams straight is it? Like fifteen, um, something like that. It's double digits, which is nuts. Right, uh, and I guess good. You're saving a lot of your your divisional rivals for when you can start clicking. Um, we've seen that a lot in the NHL. A lot of teams after the first of the year is really when they start running. The Penguins have always done that, uh, but we'll see. It's always fun. Um, for those that have you know followed us on social media, you've seen that we've both been down at a ton of Flyers games. Um, we've, I've been down at a ton of Sixers games. Matt's been down at a ton of Eagles games. So we're always there. We're always watching. Mm-hmm. No, right. Hey, Thunderblog is, is trying to be around as much as possible. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, a live action feed. Check out the Thunderblog Insta Insta story. We'd like to put some uh, some videos up there for you. So uh, try to keep everybody active. One might say they're uh, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. But I think that's going to do it for us. Like Matt said, follow us on Instagram. Check out for our stories. Thunderblog Sports is the handle there. Same with Facebook. Thunder BLG on Twitter. 
obviously thunderblogsports.com. Keep an eye out this Friday for the Thunbeat Tailgate blog, which always comes out with with my college football picks for the weekend. Um, probably going to put up a blog post for this on Tuesday, which might be how you're listening to it now. If so, great. If you're listening to it on iTunes, perfect. Leave us a five-star review. But that'll do it for us. Matt, thank you as always. Always a pleasure, especially on this Tuesday, the special Tuesday night special, the Maction. But that, that wraps it up for us. For my man, Matty D, this is the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Have a good night, everybody, and take care.